This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Adventure has its own style. It's made of tall trees, unpaved trails, and at the center, the most capable Subaru Forester yet, the 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. It comes with 9.2 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and advanced dual-function X mode. Discover adventure on a deeper level, the 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. To explore all you can do with the rugged Subaru Wilderness family of vehicles, visit Subaru.com wilderness. Hello everyone, hope you're well, happy Monday, no FPL after uh, a very intense period. I'm here with a beer, my name is Tom, and I'm back after a night off last Thursday. Sam minded the shop skillfully, lit in the way of breakages or stolen produce seen around the place, so yeah, all good to be returning back after just a quick absence. Yeah, very well done there, Sam. And I'm returning as well after a bit of a topsy-turvy weekend to round off what was a bit of a fraught period, and we're here to pick over the wreckage of it all before actually a much needed little break uh, before the christmas rush kicks off so yeah the calm before the storm part two you all right sam yeah all good thanks um yeah i I enjoyed doing a little solo pod for the first time last week i was a little bit talking into a vacuum so i'm not sure how it came across but um hopefully any of you who tuned in did enjoy it but i have to say i am glad to have you back so i'm not just talking to myself and giving away some random ramblings to a microphone for half an hour. So yeah, it's good to have you back, mate. And uh, hopefully um, the listeners will also agree. I'm sure they will. Um, As always, we are Who Got The Assist. On today's pod, we'll be taking a breath, as Tom mentioned, after the last three quite tightly packed game weeks uh, to look at how we did. Taking a journey through the key assets and their statuses now, especially with question marks over Haaland or so they say and look ahead at the emerging forces in the likes of Bournemouth, Fulham, Everton, to name a few, as well as a bold claims update. So which one of us will have a vision rating of 20 this week? We also have a good few questions for the Q&A later on. It's Monday the 11th of December. Another game week is in the bag. Game week 16 is quite happily for some out of the way. So Tom, why don't you take it away with your game week score? Yes, yes. So I, I, I think powered by two players effectively. Um, I've got to sixty-one. A lot, a lot of fortuitousness about this one. So 
obviously most people had Holden captain Holland uh, as we found out on Saturday night wasn't going to be playing on Sunday and so that proved so the vice went to Salah um, who came in I think he didn't do anything for 80 minutes and then got golden assist <laughs> um, which is obviously quite nice and then at Son on Sunday he kind of single-handedly um, kind of brought my rank to respect my game week score to respectability my game week rank to respectability and my overall rank to respectability which is quite nice no returns anywhere else unless we're counting Sanchez getting three saves as a return but just appearance all over the shop yeah yeah it's a haul this week I think um, so yeah Hall, uh, Sanchez and Palmer um, came in for me this week and um, Bumo injured obviously and Ariola um, Risty um, was left and um, quite funny that I've removed an injured goalkeeper or a potentially injured goalkeeper for another goalkeeper who's since pulled up uh, I think in the 80th minute just before Chelsea conceded their second goal um, so yeah he saved myself a point which is always nice um, so another injury another goalkeeper transfer potentially to be made I'm, I'm very excited about that obviously and um, yeah 61 points and I'm back to um, the top 500k um, which is obviously quite nice but it, it just felt like a really lucky week to be honest Sam more than anything else like it, it just kind of underlined to me kind of the randomness of it all um and the fact that you can get a, a pretty hefty green arrow I mean I you know, 620k or something like that and I'm up to 409k now and that is literally just off the performance of two players one being my lucky uh, vice captain coming in off my captain didn't play um which kind of says it all about FPL at the moment really so I'm back to where I was kind of, I think it's actually my second second best rank of the season, actually, after, apart from game week one, which doesn't count. <laughs> so I'm going back to uh, where uh, just before it all went wrong and um, when I sold Son the first time back in game week, uh, game week eight or game week nine. Um, so, yes, ho- hopefully I can kick on from here. But, yeah, 61 this week for me. And, uh, yes, yeah, so Ben White coming in clutch <laughs> with his two-point haul uh, versus your the cells minus one, which is the key difference for us this week, isn't it? That is, yeah. So the only difference other than a C of two pointers for us is Lascelles with his minus one. Although, to be honest, at the time, I wasn't exactly complaining, knowing that Son was the one doing the damage and single-handedly rescuing my red arrow to quite a handy green in the end as well. So I got 58 points um, and got a rank rise back up to 274k, which if we're assessing the last three game weeks as a block... I'm actually back where I started at almost exactly the same rank. So I was 275k (laughs) coming into the block and now 274k coming out of it. So uh, I've got the massive rank rise of just 1k over that period. So I'm not sure if that went quite to plan, but a green's a green at the end of the day. But like you say, there are injury worries. There are suspensions in my lineup. Taylor getting his fifth uh, yellow Maybe feels a little bit unfortunate for now, but looking ahead, it might not be the worst thing, knowing that he'll definitely be available for game week 18. That could be very handy. Um, so overall, I was pretty negative in the in the group chat or the uh, the DMs with you uh, privately mm. throughout the weekend. And then Son has single-handedly saved it. And despite, despite the fact I did get a green, I'm still feeling pretty negative about the team overall because let's face it nine out of 11 failed to do anything um and there are problems mounting but at the end of the day a green arrow is a green arrow i'm not going to complain son and salah truly did do the business and obviously quite a massive stroke of luck um with salah already getting the haul when we heard about the harlan news as well so that didn't 
go down too negatively. I know there are some managers who are much worse affected than us. So, um, yeah, it is one of those unfortunate things in FPL. It usually happens maybe once a season. Um, so hopefully this is the last time it happens this yeah. season and we don't have to worry about, about it again. Um, but yeah, my uh, deepest sympathies to anyone who was who was vice-captaining someone who uh, didn't get the whole like Salah or Son because that can be quite frustrating in a week where Haaland did have inarguably a very good fixture and just out of nowhere didn't play. So yeah, yeah, a frustrating one um, for many, but um, I'm kind of putting this one to the side and, and hopefully forgetting about it in the next few weeks, barring the heroics from Son. I mean, we, we kind of hyped up the excitement of the last, of the last three weeks, didn't we? The last three game weeks. Uh, there, there was old Sam saying, this is the most exciting time of the season. Season of the fixture coming thick and fast. I love it. And in fact... I do maintain um, that. <laughs> yeah. But I think we're kind of reviewing kind of how we've done over the last three. It's, it's quite interesting, isn't it? That you say you just kind of completed the circle, basically, mm. and gone back Treading to where you water, started. Yeah. And like, I've, I've kind of come from that week. Remember that week a little while ago when I didn't, I didn't move um, Saliba in. Uh, so I missed out on the green arrow that week just by kind mm. of a tiny, tiny bit. And then kind of 14 and 15 were both pretty horrible weeks for me um, without Saka in particular, uh, Mr. Martinelli just being utterly useless, et cetera, et cetera, and so on and so on. Um, no Newcastle defence either. And then kind of, I've kind of somehow managed to crawl my way out of it. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it shows you're all sort of bunched up. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to kind of just, just think about that for a second. I mean, do you think we managed it well in our both in our both our sort of individual sort of moments? Because I don't know, I, I wouldn't have been surprised to see myself take, you know, so last week going 15, for example, I didn't do any moots and I had Martinelli and I had White. Got the return from them, a little small return, obviously, but and then this week I did other moves rather than keeping those guys. And I think in the past I'd have taken an extra hit. I'd have kind of tried to move these players out for others other ones. So I've kind of shown um quite a lot of patience, I think, <laughs> to, to to say the least with players like that. And, and maybe that's kind of been uh a, a, a the kind of the the up the upswing from what has happened in the past this year when I've been moving players on willy nilly quite a lot. So maybe it's kind of that I've managed it as well as I could within the circumstances that I found myself. Um, obviously, you can hindsight it and say, oh, I should have brought in, you know, Pau Torres or something for two clean sheets against Arsenal and Man City. Um, but I, I mean, if anyone had the foresight to do that, congratulations. Um, I think it, the only kind of big kind of blot on the whole thing is is the Darwin to mm. uh, Darwin move uh, two weeks ago. So I think that that kind of set the tone perhaps for the entire kind of three-week trilogy, if I hadn't done that, and probably if you hadn't done that, then I think we'd probably be sitting here a lot happier about the result rather than kind of effectively flatlining um, yeah. over the last kind of three weeks. A hundred percent. I couldn't have put it better myself. I think going into game week 14 with the decision on Watkins, I, I hate to like go all the way back and, and call that a really bad decision. Um, week after week after week but that was probably the thing that set us back just that little bit and obviously it cost a transfer we want to get Watkins back so we're mapping out our moves to get back to Watkins as well so it has as well as some of the injuries and the suspensions that have cropped up as well it has meant that because we kind of wasted one of our free transfers going in our hands were a little bit more tied with the other moves that we could have made through 
the last two game weeks. So Mbwemo obviously needed to go. Um, Ariola definitely felt like a sell last week as well. And I've even still got Matty Cash on my bench as well, which is another issue I need to sort out. Whereas if I never got rid of Watkins in the first place, then I'd be one move ahead anyway. I'd have one extra transfer to use and I wouldn't need to use a transfer in the future to get him back in as well. So definitely lessons learned there. I promise that'll be the last time I harp on about that particular move. Um, well, I don't, I don't promise. I probably will <laughs> about it a bit more, to be honest. But um, yeah, I, I think that set us up quite poorly. And I think ever since that decision, based on limited information, it is worth noting, ever since that move was made, our hands have been a little bit tied. And I think we've done what we can with the cards that have been dealt in quite a busy period. And I'm just quite glad that one of the two clustered game week periods is out of the way technically i'm up i think you're up too um and we can kind of just put that to one side and focus on the next period now um and hopefully attack that one by not selling an essential player ahead of patch of fixtures <laughs> worrying times <laughs> that brings us on nicely to contemplate this week so about the key men and the emerging uh, possibilities I suppose and I think we've got to start with Holland. Um, obviously wait for more info obviously this could be dated by in 24 hours so take everything we say with a, with a proviso of when we're saying it um, latest sort of news was that Pep was hoping he was fit for Palace there's a lot of, sort of contradictory statements people watching the press conference second by second micro analyzing his verbals wondering whether he meant it in the present tense the past tense the future perfect the future imperfect does that mean something different in Catalan? How does that make sense? Um, but he said he'd be, he wasn't sure they'd be fit for Palace, but it seemed like he was more sort of um, encouraging about his chance of making the Club World Cup. Mm. Um, and I suppose the question, depending on the news, and I don't think we're going to spend too long on it just because it's obviously so beholden on the events for this week. I don't think the Champions League will tell us anything. No. And I don't know if Pep's press conference to be honest, is going to tell us anything either. I think we're going to be looking at ITK information. But... Yeah. I mean, if he is out for Crystal Palace, therefore has blank, blank, is that bye-bye? Um, I think it's going to be the question staring a lot of us in the face because, I mean, there is a facility, I'm going to call it the coward's way out, of just holding <laughs> him um, and using your transfers elsewhere. You're already going to be fielding a pretty, pretty rubbish squad in 18 or a squad that doesn't have Holland at least in it in 18. So why not get that 18 squad a week early? Filled that for two weeks. Yeah, maybe you may have to kind of stomach playing an archer or something like that. Um, but you could do that and not have to kind of, if you sell Holland, you then have to kind of, again, scheme to get him back in again. Because when he comes back from it, assuming he's kind of all dandy, uh, when he comes back, he's got Everton and then Sheffield United um, back to yeah. back. And then Burnley um, at the end of um, game week 22, I think that is at the end of January after the FA Cup third round. Um, but I, I don't know. I think we're entering a period, aren't we, where there's a huge question mark over him because you'd be like, oh, is he fit enough to start this game? You know, is he going to have time off the bench? And I think maybe the perma captaincy, at least, maybe, um, and the fact that many people have been complaining about, maybe has eroded a slight bit. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if he is back or we hear he's going to be playing versus Palace, I think that starts to kind of slightly get eroded a, a little bit more, doesn't it? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting with Haaland, if we don't get any concrete news, what people are going to do, like, are they going to be brave enough to back against him for two weeks, not knowing whether one of those weeks he will be playing in? Obviously, Palace at home is a good fixture right now as well. If he starts that game, 
he's probably one of, if not the ideal captaincy option this week. But from what the way I interpreted the quotes anyway, and again, this is all up to just personal interpretation at this point. I don't think he plays Palace as as it stands. And I will wait for more information. I don't want to lock myself into <laughs> committing to selling probably the best asset in the game right now, especially one that is very hard usually to get back to. But in my team in particular, if I sell him, it would be probably directly for Watkins. That solves one issue, i.e. getting back to Watkins. It does mean I hold on to Darwin for a little bit longer. But also, because of the money I've got in the bank anyway, I can actually get back to him in one move for either Watkins or Darwin in game week 19. So I don't actually necessarily plan on spreading that money around in my squad because getting Watkins is really the most expensive I need to do thing I need to do over the next couple of weeks. The only other asset that's high in mind is Poro and I only need an extra 0.4 to get to him from or 0.5 to get to him from Matty Cash, which luckily I've already got. So I could get back to Haaland in one move in 19. So for me, if he's not fit for Palace and we get confirmation, ironclad news that he's not going to play, um, which I think is leaning towards that. Although, again, other, other people will have different views on this. Um, then I think I could probably go without him for a couple of weeks, get Watkins back in, which solves that issue. And then also I can get rid of Darwin very comfortably in game week 19, um, having hung on to him for that one extra week than I was planning mm. to and, and holding him through game week 18, which isn't completely ideal, but there's not really a lot I need to do in 18 at the moment. So there's even a, an argument to say that actually, if I take a hit this week and get Poro and Watkins for Haaland and uh, for Harland and Cash, then in 18, I could bring in Solanke for Darwin and just get rid of Darwin a week early and then straight back out after a one-week punt. So there's a lot of moves that could be made. Um, that's probably an over-explanation of my plans for right now. But I think basically it is team-dependent. I hate that cliche, but it is. And, yeah. then also, and then also it depends who you've not already got up front. If you've not got Watkins, then I would very much understand the move based on the idea that Haaland would be out of Palace, but yeah, definitely wait for confirmation if you can. If you can, yeah. I mean, if I carry Darwin again, you know, very team specific, then I've got double Arsenal defence at the moment. So I mean, in game week eighteen, I'm playing Darwin mm. and Salah against double Arsenal defence. Oh, it's such no a, ideal. It's, it's such a headache. And then you know, part of me is thinking of going down the keeping Haaland route just because it kind of helps me with the rest of the team and sourcing it all out and making sure I remove yeah. any sort of verses going on because I can I don't, I've got loads I've got quite a bit of money now I've got two million had enough of Martinelli that's for sure but I don't know if I'm going to be able to sell him this week honestly just because I think he's just going to have to stay because I've got other things to deal with and if Holland is out I think I'm going to be the same as you I think it's going to just be a bit obvious that hey you know what let's just sell for Watkins and then bring him back bring him back in for Darwin in yeah game week eight, in game week eight, in game week 19 I, I, I think that that kind of does look a bit straightforward it would mean a very dicey game week 18 for me but you know it's just one week <laughs> so who and you'll have the captain option of choice as well that'll be half the battle yeah exactly so I, I think that that might be it um, it may be that I just look at doing something this week along those lines to try to fix things so it could be that Saliba 
goes out for Pedro Porro to try to alleviate the verses that's going on in game week 18. If I'm kind of thinking, right, I'm going to have to keep Darwin now for Man United and uh, so for Man United and for Arsenal. I mean, that could be something that I do. It's, it's just quite, there's quite a lot to think about here and quite, quite a lot to think about how I kind of try to manoeuvre through this period. So I look at my team, right? I've still got the problem of Sanchez and you've got that problem as well. Mm. Luckily, Turner did play. <laughs> so maybe this goalkeeper can be kind of deprioritized as it probably should have been in the first place to be fair like imagine if we just left it sam <laughs> i know we'd have the same amount of points anyway <laughs> i know um so um, I mean, it might be a case of just looking at your team come friday and think right okay yeah you can plan to the nth degree but where's the weakest link if you're like like me, you've got Archer or Kabore coming off the bench if you don't get rid of Holland, or you've got to kind of make a move that you probably weren't quite planning to make. Um I can do Kabore to Pedro Porro. The problem is that I couldn't do Darwin to Watkins and kind of leave Holland on my bench. So I'd have to kind of try to slightly bend everything, like get a new doggy or something like that. So mm-hmm. and it feels very much like you can overthink the obvious. Um, and it may well be that, you know, you you sell Holland and then you find that he goes to Saudi Arabia, plays a little bit, but there's still these kind of question marks over him. And the fact that you know, they are chasing in the league, if they were kind of miles clear in the league, then maybe I'd be more... <clears throat> Tempted to go along with the idea that he's a rotation kind of risk or whatever, whatever. But if he is, yeah. I, I can't really see him not playing Sheffield United um, and not really and not playing Everton. And um, but that's all kind of stuff for future us. It kind of feels like you've got to micro it, zoom right into just this week ahead, fix the problems this week, and then come what may next week, which can be definitely anathema to loads of planners. That could be really tough if you're a long-term sort of planner sort of person. How the hell do I work this out? We've got a question on wildcards later on, which kind of we, we will address this a little bit more in as well. Um, but yes, um, difficult situation. I think, wait for news, but yeah, I think I'm te- definitely tempted to um, just just fix the issue this week. You know, put put a water bucket underneath um, the, the leak in the roof and keep doing that for a couple of weeks rather than actually fixing the roof because that's going to take too many hits. We're not all able to kind of pull the wild card like a few people have, like James from Planet, for example. Um, we're not all able to do that. And I don't, I'm not sure that taking lots of hits is going to quite be the right thing to do either. So, yes, uh, more information is definitely needed on that. So around the Holland, you've got quite a few kind of key men, I think, who are currently sort of in the picture, out the picture. Um, I think we're going to just kind of quickly have a little journey through them all. Um, stop mm-hmm. off on each one. Imagine we're kind of just just on like a on, on like a vernacular railway, just stopping on each uh, each stop and just kind of thinking, oh, what's the view like here? What does that look like? Is that pretty? Is that something we want to stop at and kind of keep? <laughs> or do we, do we want a souvenir or do we want to just get back on the train and go home? Um Let's relieve Salah because I, I think you know he's kind of the, the de facto captain choice now. Salah avoiders and um, now or will cave. I think mm-hmm. that's abundantly clear. Um, we're going to definitely talk about Afcon uh, probably next week uh, when, uh, as in when he goes to Afcon uh, when the FPL general was on for our Christmas thing next week. I think that'd be quite a good thing to do. Talk about kind of yeah. future uh, future gazing um, and I think that kind of also impacts Son a bit. Now, the thing is that Son isn't as ubiquitous as Salah is, as we saw out this week, because the Son haul really did move us upwards, didn't it, Sam? Yeah. So, I mean, the question, I suppose, becomes for a lot of people, especially those who don't own, I think the effect of ownership for us was kind of 
I'm, I'm going to say about kind of 40, 50 percent. It was a lot lower. Uh, than mine was 40 percent dead. Yeah, which was a, was a lot crazy. lower than I thought it was going to be. I mean, you had 200, I think it was like 274,000 sales the week before. And the week before that, you had the price fall as well. Um, I mean, is he like obvious to buy back for the Christmas period if you have sold? Especially because there's Everton in Game Week 18 as well. Yeah, Everton doing well defensively. We'll talk about them in a minute. Um, but still, that's, that's, I don't know. I think that's kind of almost a gap that needs to be plugged. Another bucket needs to be put down under a leaky roof. Yeah, I, I would be very highly recommending having Son at this point. I think the only thing that might concern people is the fact he moved back to left wing um, over over the weekend and obviously part of that might be down to Richarlson being back in his favourite position up front he was carrying a knock early season um, Postacoglu took him out wide to give him a less physical role I guess but I think two factors need to be considered one the fact that Son has been electric at centre forwards anyway um, and two I think that there's a possibility if I'm putting my tactical pricey head on for a second that he was put down as a left winger in the Newcastle game specifically to try and keep Trippier on his toes, to pin yep. him back, to give him a job basically for the 90 minutes. So he wasn't able to just get forward whenever he liked, that he always had something in the back of his mind thinking they're attacking my side. I need to make sure that I am defensively minded, that I'm solid at the back. Obviously that didn't work out, but from Spurs point of view, it meant that Son was attacking a pretty tired and a pretty overrun Trippier because he has he has played a lot of minutes over the last few game weeks and he is starting to look a bit leggy. More on Trippier later, by the way, as well. But I think that that might have been a specific game plan that meant that Trippier was a little bit handcuffed in that game. Who knows? He might end up playing left wing from now on because Richarlison did play well up front and Son did play well left wing. But as we saw... We now know for a fact he's on penalties. He was still a great creative outlet and he was really running the show. Um, he seemed very angry after, was it the West Ham game the weekend, the week before or during midweek um, in the post-match press conferences? He seemed yep. as angry as I've seen him. And I feel like he's just taken up the mantle and he's he's just carrying them whenever he needs to at this point as well. So for me... As long as he's under 10 million, even beyond, I think he's still going to be great value for money. And especially with Haaland seemingly out of the game, or even if he's in the game, not necessarily a perma-captain anymore. Having someone who's a premium light, like Son, who has all of the elements of a great player and a great FPL asset, I think is a pretty important player to have. And yeah. he's a lot more explosive than some of the other players that we're going to talk about in this key men list. Yeah, ten, uh, fourth for non-pen XGI at the moment. And I think mm -hmm. that, yeah, you're, you're right. And I think that um, several people commented that, that it was the best Spurs team that they could possibly throw out with yeah. the injuries to Benton Kerr, um, Van der Ven and Madison. Um, and I think that they're likely to kind of keep rolling on. Like, I think it'd be very surprising if, for example, on Friday night against Nottingham Forest, there's any changes that aren't enforced. And yeah. over, the, over the Christmas period, the, the fixtures are really good. Um, on paper, uh, Forest away, Everton at home, Brighton away, and Bournemouth at home. Even that kind of game week nineteen fixture, Brighton away, that could be one 
that could be absolute chaos, frankly. That's yeah. the sort of game where you do look at it and think, but like we were with Salah earlier in the season, which is, I think, our, our kind of highlight of the season, actually. It's quite depressing, isn't it? That's quite a while ago now. Either that um, or some this week, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think that that's a, ga- that's a game where you look at it and think, well, that could be absolute chaos. I want uh, my captain to be in that game, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think it would be one where you'd look at game with Kate that was Sam. Wow, some time ago. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that's definitely that's definitely one where I I would kind of, especially if you do have kind of the allowance through selling Holland to get to Son, I think that I would be looking to go there, um, getting back. Uh, frankly, mm. um, I did exactly that. It's, it's fair. It, it, I should mention that a while ago. I know that you know, we do we do sometimes say, oh yeah, well, the podcasters always say, oh I'd buy a player back and never do that. I I literally did buy that. Kind of went back on my own stupidity back in game week twelve and bought him back um, to fix the mistake. And it's absolutely fine to do that. I would never kind of double down on going without a player. He says without Saka, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I would never double down on going without a player like that who is more of a sprinter and a plodder um, who's going to be kind of hurting you like he has hurt a lot of people this week. Um, so mm-hmm. if you do have facilities, do it and do do it. But yes, when you mentioned him kind of turning Trippier inside to out, um, the friend of the pod, Alan Pritchard, said that there was a bit, a bit of nominative determinism about Trippier this week in terms of his defending. So he kept tripping over. Um, and <laughs> I think that... It, I mean, it was, it was interesting because we were both talking um, just on our chat, weren't we, a little bit uh, last week. And a lot of kind of the moves I was thinking of making were to facilitate buying Trippier back this week. Yeah, I've got two million in the bank. I can buy Trippier back in for Saliba. That was kind of part of the plan. But from what I've seen, Sam, Newcastle looking shot, Lascelles and um, and Cher, I said I tweeted the other day uh, during the match that they looked they were being held together by duct tape and prayers. Like they both looked absolutely exhausted, like completely in the red zone, yeah. honestly. Um, and now Trippier's obviously suspended, so I wouldn't buy him anyway. But there's errors creeping into his game. Um, Newcastle in general looking a lot lot dodgier in terms of the SUC um, than you'd be expecting of them um, given past performance. They've tumbled, if that's something that we can say, down to Sith in terms of Team SGC. Um, they're previously um, a bit further up the table. Um, certainly a sell, I think, if you are if, if it's Trippier now. I think you said, like, I said, I said a couple of weeks ago that Trippier is always a player who's going to be looming over your game week, um, mm. <laughs> ready to get a nine-pointer at a moment's notice. But it's almost like that kind of fear has been relieved. There's been a bit of kind of a valve that's been pulled to let the gas out of that one. And it kind of feels like Trippier hopefully is going to return to like normal levels of, don't own him, that's probably, probably okay. And maybe that's going to impact the wide Newcastle defense no interesting um I, I kind of fall down on the other side on Trippier I think if you've got him and you can afford to bench him for just one week then that might be the rest he needs he might be able to recover a little bit from that rest and and then obviously he won't have the ban looming over him a lot of managers will have sold so all of a sudden you've got a more differential version of Trippier who is Still, a, still creating chances for them. I'm still taking free kicks. He's been unlucky not to score one or two of them this season already as well. So I, don't get me wrong. I completely understand anyone selling and I understand anyone recommending to sell him as well. I just wonder if considering the data is still good if, from an attacking point of view and the two matches most recently being away from home, which we know Newcastle 
do struggle in a little bit so far this season and they have been in the red zone. I wonder if the outlook just looks a little bit better in a couple of weeks once he's had a week off. Um, But yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a lot of money. He needs to be right at the top of his game to be value for money and Newcastle need to be keeping clean sheets. So I do completely understand anyone selling and I do understand the recommendation to sell. But I just wonder if you've got enough squad depth if you could be sneaky, hold him on the bench for a week, and then all of a sudden you've got someone who's a little bit more differential. I, I wonder if there's an angle there, but I do understand that there are a lot of suspensions, injuries, things to sort out at the moment. Maybe you just want to get rid of him and, and not have to worry about that next week. So, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty on the fence on that one, but I think if he was in my team, I'd try to find a way to keep him if I could. I don't know. I, I think him having a rest is great, but what about the rest of the defence? True, <laughs> they, true. They've still, they've still got a crunch match in the Champions League, and then they've got mm. a free-scoring Fulham, um, and then they've got the games, as we know, the Christmas period, the, the, the back-to-back games. Yeah, okay, Luton, Noskin, Forest, and 19 not, you know, They're not the most worrying games in the world. Maybe they would get a clean sheet in those games. Um, but then in game week 20, on, the, on New Year's Day, they've got Liverpool away. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, it, I think it's going to be almost a period where you go on holiday if there's a football manager, <laughs> you know, um, it, it really is quite a difficult situation for them. And it makes me kind of, it would make me kind of think, hey, maybe I can get to Trent, especially if you haven't got Shimakas. Yeah, <laughs> that could be one you'd think of as well. Yes. Okay. Admittedly, Liverpool have also got a couple of tough fixtures coming up um, in Arsenal and Man United, but the guy got, we've got four points in a, in a, in a game where he conceded. So yeah, no, yeah. there you go. I, I think he'd be the one that I would be kind of thinking, yeah, okay, let's, uh, let, let's move on from him. Um, speaking of players we've moved on from, a smooth segue there, Tom. Well done. Um, Watkins. Let's talk about him again, Sam. <laughs> Sweet. Can't um, wait. <laughs> so, uh, Ollie Watkins um, is uh, a player that there's several not dumb people have kept and some more dumb people have, have sold. Uh, third overall for non penetz GI thus far this season. And it is the Ollie Watkins back to old club thing this weekend as well. Uh, back to Brentford. And uh, Brentford, again, <clears throat> with the injury list, a team that you are worried for. Um, and yeah. it could just be one where he's a shoe in to buy back for 18 anyway. Like the key captain pick probably against Sheffield United. Again, new manager bounce, Chris Wilder and all that. Um, but probably still the captain pick of choice. Um, I mean, I think he's going to come back in for both of us before long. And I think most people who did sell him, it's, it's, it's very, it's kind of quite rare, actually. I was thinking earlier on that you've got a player that is sold on mass, um, not on mass, but is sold by quite a few people. And it's very rare that you have so many people within that kind of sample of people who have sold who are pretty much all set on the remontada. <laughs> it's it's very, very rare that you see that. Normally you'll see people kind of sell one player and think, okay, well that's done with. Okay, fine. I'm gonna go and disperse, go off somewhere else. I mean it's only really kind of Solanke potentially who we'll talk about in a second, taking away some of the attraction there. But mm-hmm. I mean it's a very unique one. <laughs> there was kind of this FOMO moment people did sell including us and then you're kind of thinking straight away right I need to reverse that yeah I, yeah he's just absolutely fantastic he's an essential cog to the way Villa are performing at the moment he was so selfless as well in the Arsenal game I think he put in a, a very different type of impressive performance in that match it wasn't necessarily the one that will be highlighted in FPL terms but again it just reiterates how important he is to the way they set up 
they will create more chances. And the underlying data is still fantastic, as you've already noted. The fixtures, especially that game week 18 against Sheffield United, fantastic. I, there's nothing going against him right now other than maybe the fact he's not on penalties. But in game week 17, he might be because Douglas Louise is suspended and Watkins has taken penalties, albeit fairly poorly, but he has taken them in the past. So there's all the reason in the world that he might step up and take one if he gets it in game week 17. And who knows if that, I mean, this is very speculative, but if he scored that penalty, that hypothetical penalty in game week 17, who knows where that might lead him? He might he might just say, look, I'm a striker. I'm taking these from now on. You, you just don't know. So, um, yeah, I mean, that aside, that is speculation. But we, even without the penalties, the data is great. Villa are great and they're creating him a ton of chances. Um, he's already gotten 17 FPL returns this season. So, yeah, I, I want him back as soon as possible. And I hope this is the week I, I'm able to do it. A great man once said in pre-season that Villa are setting up like Leicester used to and Watkins has become the new Vardy with a team based around him, creating chances for him. His movement has changed. He's a season keeper. We shouldn't sell him. <clears throat> oh, wait, no, it wasn't a great man. I was an idiot. And that was me uh, pre-season. <laughs> I wish I'd stuck to that. Um, I do have him in draft. That, maybe that counts. That doesn't count. Um, but yes, um, you're completely right. And I, I kind of, yeah, I, I, it's, it's one of those where it's almost like as we said at the time, we spent a whole podcast lamenting over this. And I think that, yeah, maybe we should have a ban in place mm. <laughs> about ruining we, that decision. Oh, we've sold, we've both sold him twice this season and both times instantly hauled. So I think we have, if we get him again, when we get him again, just remind ourselves, if you're listening to this pod, if we're mentioning getting rid of Ollie Watkins again, our handles are here below, WGTA underscore FPL, FPL Pricey, tag us and tell us to stop being idiots because we need to make sure we keep him at all costs. Yeah, other pejorative terms are available. <laughs> right, and the final person to talk about, um, a player who's not in my team, but week after week has the skull next to his name in on live FPL is Saka, um, star boy, man that I really, really love. Um, but has become a bit of a fear figure for me in FPL, so I don't own him. Um, a bit of a plodder rather than a sprinter mm -hmm. this year, I think it's fair to say. Um, and I think it's kind of maybe a case of don't buy, don't sell with, with Saka at the moment. The next three games are really good. Brighton, uh, attacking-wise at least, uh, Brighton, Liverpool, and then kind of it, it kind of gets a little bit better again. And there's a nice kind of four... A uh, block of four, West Ham, Fulham, Crystal Palace and Nottingham Forest over the festive period. I think actually Nottingham Forest is just after it, if I remember correctly. I mean, maybe that's kind of the game at the end of end of January, something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely one that has been a bit more intriguing than anything else. I think he's doing very well in terms of the expected assists this year, if I remember correctly. And I think it's kind of fourth or fifth for that. Um, but in terms of kind of the overall sort of non-pen XGI, he's out of the top 10. 12 and so which isn't terrible and um, but something's not really kind of working this year of arsenal and i think a lot of it is kind of my man marcinelli it's not really working for him i saw a few sort of interesting sort of tidbits this week actually sam uh, about that which is kind of the change uh, i spoke about this when adam was on um about kind of the transition from havertz uh, from Xhaka to havertz has meant that there's been lots of sort of knock-on effects around the pitch. And there have been a few people kind of tracing the fact that Xhaka's kind of role, the space he occupied, was very kind of useful for Marcinelli, whereas Marcinelli mm. is now kind of 
doing a full-on sort of sane uh, from <laughs> from a few years ago for Pep when he was just kind of stuck on the wing and keeps being subbed early as well for being ineffectual but i think it's ineffectual because of the tactics rather than he himself he wasn't that great against villa but i think that he was as we're both saying to each other at the time that he was the guy who it seemed like something was going to happen with there's kind of a yeah. few sort of, there was a few moments weren't there where like if he'd have just kind of got a touch then he'd have been through you know, he's just kept happening just oh, very frustrating but yeah, overall it's, it's kind of there have been flashes for arsenal of it looking like things have all kind of come together. Um, but it, it's still not quite there yet. Um, and you kind of wonder, especially for a non-owner of Saka, there's always the sort of impetus to hashtag get it done. And I definitely thought about that a little bit. Um, but I mean, would you be kind of, if you don't own Sam, still prioritising him? I, I don't think I would massively. I don't. Maybe it's because I own him, I'm... I don't really feel that fear factor. But like you say, I don't think he's really like murdered a rank this season at all. Like he hasn't he hasn't like really gone out and done anything crazy more than maybe once or twice. I think he's gotten two double digit hauls. Um and he is, like you say, plodding along fairly consistently. So it is a bit like death by a thousand cuts for anyone who doesn't own him. Whereas I think there are higher priorities, especially this week, to be bringing back if you don't have the likes of Son, much more explosive as a pick, um, and can just absolutely crucify your rank in one in one week. Whereas Saka feels like week to week he's going to do chip away, chip away, chip away at your rank, and you might be able to cover it off with a haul or two from so- someone else. That being said, I think. In the ideal side, in an ideal starting 11 in FPL, he would be in it right now because he is consistently getting points. I don't think he would be a high priority to buy at the moment, though. I, th- I think unless you've got no other fires, I, th- I think you can probably just hold off another couple of weeks because, like you say, I mean, mm. Arsenal are still looking good, but they don't look like regularly just pummeling teams into the ground at the moment it seems like more of a conservative approach as we've discussed and maybe that means that Saka is going to be less haul haul prone for the next few game weeks especially through the busy period where they are going to probably want to make sure that they are playing a little bit more within themselves so they're managing the legs they're trying to manage any injuries so maybe this is the period of the season where they do try and keep it tight at the back not really go for broke and get tons and tons of goals and really go expansive. So maybe this is a part of the season where if you don't already have him, you could arguably just leave him to one side for now and put a pin in it, knowing that you probably do want to get back to him in a few game weeks time. Yeah, I know General doesn't have me either, so it's definitely one that we'll discuss in next week. But I think the only kind of thing I want to add there is it reminds me a lot of Harry Kane last year. Um, who was the same. I mean, obviously True. there were a few notable hauls, but a lot of the time, if you didn't own him, you were thinking, oh, you know what, is this okay? You know, he's he's tripping over five or six every week, but he adds that sort of flaw to your game week. Um, yeah. and I'm kind of hoping that I've got another player in an attacking role who is contesting him week to week for 60 minutes at least. Um, but I mean, it, it, he does, he's gotten his way, he's on his way to, I think he's fifth in terms of points scored this year, uh, just below Watkins, he's at three points. Um, and it definitely is one where I, again, wish I'd just kept him. I think the wild cards back in game week 
seven, I think it was, I left, I've gotten Bowen and left money in for Saka sort of thing. There was that kind of one week that he missed and then there was a bit of a sell-off and then a buyback. And, you know, I still kind of look back to that week. I mentioned earlier on that I kind of, when I was flying high before I sold Son, I mean, I, I should have kept Son and bought Saka in then and I wouldn't, I'd be in the same position as you. Um, so I think kind of, that consistency, even though it's not sort of a spectacular sort of roller coaster of up and down, and the consistency is still something which isn't particularly sexy, but it can be very necessary in FPL. And it is one that I'm going to talk myself into every week, thinking, "Oh yeah, no, I should probably get that sorted." But there's always going to be something else right now, and it's kind of, I like guess, kind of nice copium to hear what you're saying there about him. So I think overall, yeah, the key men list. Um, Holland, let's just see, but it looks like a bit of a sale. Um, Salah, yeah, keep, obviously. Um, Son, get back if you can, but certainly a keep. So I think like those three are kind of the main ones with Watkins yeah. certainly kind of entering the picture. Uh, Trippier, we're not entirely in agreement about him. Uh, one kind of thinks more, Sam thinks, well, let's keep it and see what happens. I'm a little bit more sort of like I've seen enough about Newcastle defence right now. Um, and then mm-hmm. Saka, don't buy, don't sell, I suppose. So more kind of neutral on that. Uh, yeah. Sleepy Jedi asked us this week, full of assets, let's get into it. And I think that that's certainly something which is um, coming to the fore a lot more. These sort of unfancied sides that suddenly have come out of the woodwork and are now looking like teams that we should be definitely looking at and those teams are Fulham, Everton and Bournemouth and I think the the one that kind of really stood out to me actually is is, is Fulham Sam so in game week uh, 12 in the international break or post game week 12 um, we recounted that Fulham's team XG was was nowhere no, I think they were 18th so second from uh, third from bottom and they're mm. up to 14th overall now and literally cannot stop scoring uh, Bournemouth are still kind of where they were 13th and Everton uh, led by big XG's fan uh, Sean Dyche is still in 10th but over the last six game weeks we've definitely seen Bournemouth and Fulham in particular really come out of their shells uh, Bournemouth are second overall for team XG over the last six weeks and Fulham at fourth. I know that's obviously a very small sample size, et cetera, et cetera, but that's fancy football for you. And so, I mean, is there any consideration for you offensively? You should start there when we look at the defence in a second, but offensively, there's loads of characters, aren't there? A proper rogues gallery of individuals we never thought we'd be looking at probably at the start of the year, but are now well in scope. Yeah, we're certainly into the differential territory here with some of these options, but a lot of them are looking really impressive at the moment. So obviously enough's been said about Solanke on a number of different forums recently, but he is someone that is high in mind right now with good reason. The data he's putting up is fantastic. And like you said, Bournemouth are kind of on fire at the moment. Um, I won't speak too much about him because I think a lot has already been said about him, but he would probably be top of any player from those three sides you've spoken about. After that, um, it's a shame William is out. I know you were speaking. I don't know if you ever spoke about it publicly on uh, WGTA, but privately, no, I'll I, give top credit. Know. He was talking up William to me privately prior to the game week. And I did kind of laugh in your face a little bit. So fair play. Um, you did get that one right. It is unfortunate, though, because it looks like he's now possibly going to be a doubt for this weekend. Um, yeah, the didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And... Um, after the match, uh, Silver came out and said it was pretty 50-50 on um, what it what it looks like. The prognosis was up in the air at that point. So 
unfortunate because he was probably the midfielder I'd have most highly recommended based on the fact he was also on penalties, I believe. But with him not there, I think that could mean that Jimenez becomes more and more interesting. Really, really well priced at 5.2. I think by the time anyone listens to this, it'll be 5.3 because I think he's getting an overnight price rise. But that is just fantastic value for someone who's starting matches for a team that are currently fourth in the XG table um, over the last six game weeks, as you mentioned. Um, and he does, thankfully, I, I think we're all pleased to see it look like he's back to somewhat re- resembling his best now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really, really glad for him. Really glad to see him back to that level. Um, and, yeah, I again, such good value for money there. If you are playing a 3-4-3, then he could certainly come into consideration. Um, outside of that, there are a few others. I don't want to steal all of the names for you, um, but Decore is one that, I think I mentioned earlier on in the season as someone who's almost playing as like a almost a second bully striker for Dyche at Everton, the same way that he did at Burnley with Wood and Barnes. He's getting Calvert-Lewin and Decore sort of bouncing off of him a little bit. And he's posting some really good numbers and obviously getting into a lot of decent goal scoring opportunities in and around the box now. So he could be a pretty tasty differential midfielder. So those are the ones that I think for me personally, I most closely look at, but there are a number across all three of those sides that you could be. Yeah, certainly. I mean, him and it's a 5.2 slash 5.3 probably tomorrow. Mm. That's a very good eighth attacker, isn't it? Um, yeah. Certainly one that I'm considering uh, for Archer, um, especially if Holland's out and I go for the coward strategy. I like that a lot. I really do. I did like Willian too. Um, I did mention him to you as kind of a fun pick. I didn't buy Cole Palmer. Um and I, I'm kind of, I was kind of a bit, a bit sort of irked. I didn't do it. And then obviously because it got taken up half time. So I was like, phew, I'm glad I didn't do that. Um, but definitely one that I'd be considering. And um, there's also Andreas Pereira, um, who is just kind of quite consistent. But yeah, the, the Duke, old Ducore, he's actually 14th overall for non-Pen this year. Uh, very good. We, we also flagged him, I think, um, during uh, the international break. Um, after game week 12 as being a player and we both kind of said oh he's a player that you never really look at um, but it could be one I know Everton's fixtures are a mixed bag they're going to be perpetually a mixed bag overall um, but one that you'd be looking at I think uh, Calvert-Lewin just outside the top 20 as well but with the injuries blah blah yeah. blah probably I think there are enough good there. strikers around that you probably ignore him for now yeah, I think so. And then uh, obviously you'd be looking at the Solanke for sure, especially if you own Watkins already, didn't go for Darwin. You've got the Haaland problem. You go straight to Solanke, I think. A sip for non-Penetsgi overall now, which is really respectable mm. uh, for a Bournemouth striker of all due respect to Bournemouth. He's actually underperforming um, just about um, his non-Penetsgi at the moment. It's literally a one, it's like 9.5, so rounding it up. And he's got nine goal involvements right now. Um, there's a few other players as well. Um, if you are really kind of interested in going really, really, really left field, um, Iwobi um, of mm. Arsenal fame, the Panna Prince. So what about Adam Pritchard's uh, favourite players? Uh, third for non-Penetsgi uh, over the last six weeks amongst midfielders, uh, looking a bit reinvigorated under Marco Silva. And uh, Tavernier. Um, who's a bit of a perpetual love of uh, my favourite podcast, Planet FPL, one of the players who's always kind of mentioned on that pod, a brother 
as we know now, um, is, uh, is 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 massive in in uh, Scotland playing for Rangers. Uh, FPL General was saying on his pod this morning, and that he's a kind of a permanent captain on fantasy football Scotland because he obviously is a right back but takes penalties and gets loads of assists. So why mm. would you not? But Tavernier is one of those players who uh, Marcus Tavernier that is a player who you've always got your eye on because he could do something almost in the in the vein of like um, Bournemouth have got a few of these sort of players in the past and midfielders, you know, like Junior Stanislas um, and. Uh, and Josh King when he was there, Brian um, the Fraser sort of player, as well. Brian Fraser too, indeed. The sort of it's just the sort of player who could do something in any game. Likes a long shot. I remember a peach that he scored last year, getting into the goal of the season awards. Um, and three really good fixtures coming up for Bournemouth, uh, Luton, Nottingham Forest, and Fulham. I think um, FPL Discomfort, Ful- uh, Kieran asked about them last week, mm-hmm. and uh, we were we were kind of a bit more lukewarm then, um, but. You know, Obviously, beating United is, is is something that's kind of opened your eyes a little bit more. We did mention kind of Cliver back then as being a player who was kind of of interest. Um, but I, I think Tavernier definitely is a player that we're really interested in. 0.7% owned. You know, it's one of those uber differentials that I really like the look of. And if I have a few more of these beers, Sam, especially on Friday night, I could, that could be one who could come in for 60-minute Marcinelli and... It's one of those that I really like the look of. I really kind of fancy. Yeah. Uh, kind of, um, I mean, I've got that kind of um, feeling about it. But conservative me is kind of sat there going, oh, yeah, but Marcelino's got really good games, blah, blah, blah. And then the other <laughs> side, we go, oh, he's only playing 60 minutes. For us, he's playing loads more minutes, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That'll probably be a hit again. But it could be a player that I'd be looking at, that's for sure. And um, so, yeah, lots of options here. And I think it's really nice to have that sort of enabler scene going on because I think over this kind of three-week period, there has been that feeling, I don't know about you, but for me, there's been that feeling, especially when I was buying Palmer, I was saying to you over WhatsApp, wasn't I, that I think this is a really boring transfer. Yeah, Everything's going for him in an FPL way. I understand why he's there. I understand why I'm buying him. The fixtures are great. The underlying data is great. He's really cheap. He's great value. FPL review is jizzing itself over him. But... I still think it's really boring because that's what everyone else is doing. So it's nice to have these players from these teams being on the table and being valid picks. Not that that should ever be a constraint upon you, um, but now I think it's very nice to kind of have that in your mind um, as an alternative if you do have something that you could do. Like you could even, for example, if you do have Darwin, do have Holland, if you do kind of think, you know what, okay, maybe Brentford are going to do a defensive masterclass against Watkins, you could maybe go for Slanky this week and then sell Darwin for Watkins next week. That could be on the table for you potentially. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm just very happy that there's options on the table. Uh, defensively as well, um, there are kind of potentially some options. So overall, Bournemouth for the fourth worst defence and Fulham the sixth worst defence, but they have improved recently. And mm. Everton are actually the fifth best defence overall in terms of XGC this season. I just double check that just to make sure. Um, but you know, one that could be interesting, especially if you have to replace your goalkeeper. I was thinking, yeah. So just throw Leno in, throw Neto in. I told my sister to buy Neto this week. She actually beat me this year, annoyingly. 
I told her, don't bother with uh, don't bother with Sanchez. You don't like him. She, she really hated him. I was just like, just get Neto. He looks all right. And she got him and got 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 the points this week. Um, and then Pickford to Everton, a friend of a friend of the pod, uh, Chris Efrogenino, uh, got him over Ariola a few weeks ago on his uh, on his wild card and been richly rewarded because uh, Everton have been churning out the churning out the positive results, churning mm. out the clean sheets. Pickford's got three clean sheets in a row, and Everton have got clean sheets, three clean sheets in a row to boot. Ten points of a fit pick for the week just gone so lots a few options kind of hanging around like Kirk as Anthony Robinson we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago um, and Everton I think it's probably Mikolenko uh, Bramthwaite's kind of um, suspended isn't he this week so again yeah. loads of options there yeah absolutely I think Everton is the one that I most closely look at defensively um, although Fulham as well if they keep conceding chances but they're fairly low xg chances it's just a high number of them then leno is going to continue racking up those saves and those save points so whenever they do keep a clean sheet that's that's a haul rather than just a six pointer most more often than not um then pickford as well i think it's five clean sheets this season as well i i think he was in a few people's teams at the start and then no clean sheets were really coming to begin with everyone sold and now the data, even back then, was actually suggesting that they were getting a bit unlucky, if I remember correctly. And now all of a sudden they are actually backing up those data points with the results as well. And yeah, it's it's just great, generally speaking, from a meta yeah. point of view in FPL that we've got teams outside of the established norm that have plenty of budget options that we really do have our pick of. Like we can pick from any of these teams now quite comfortably and there are legitimately four or five options in a lot of these sides that you could easily see in an FPL side and not not really scoff at it at this point and I think that's great for FPL it gives us options and especially with injuries and suspensions coming in at the moment having a deeper bench having these differential options and options on your bench from these sort of teams could be really really handy so yeah all power to them and hopefully more than one of these teams can uh kind of keep it up for the next few weeks and if not the whole season as well and maintain their value um because it's it's just great to see for the game as well do you know what bournemouth until game week 32 only plays spurs liverpool newcastle man city of the top few teams um so really really good run there yeah. so if you buy a player from them assume they're going to be playing sort of 90 every week because they're a bit of a smaller club. You could be quits in there. Um, another fun fact, just to end this section on, did you know that Neto's first name is Norberto? Is it? Wow. Yeah. Great so, name. I'm going to buy him just for that now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's definitely positive there. Cool, right. Very long first section, but I think hopefully a lot to talk about. And hopefully that was interesting for you. Let's move on to the bold claims, um, a place of less interest for me and more interest for you, Sam. Uh, so last week uh, you had um, what did you Huang, have Huang, Huang double digit haul, which did not come off at, uh, at all. Um, but it's fine. I, I wasn't really expecting to to get you're another taking, one. Taking taking the proverbial anyway because you're so far ahead, and I went Arsenal clean <laughs> sheet versus Villa. Um, so yeah, I, I, I bet I bet against uh, bet bet for myself, which is kind of why it didn't pay off. But this week you've uh, bet for both of us. <laughs> Yeah, I have. So um, just through pure sods law, I'm backing Darwin to score against Man United. I nearly went for a haul, but then I thought that's just too bold. I can't I can't go for two plus returns or a, or a 10 plus haul on this one. I've just keep it simple with Darwin. 
just back him to score against United. Um, I think all of the factors are there. The data's still good. He should start, although I'm not 100% confident at this point. Let's wait and see whether he starts in the Europa League in midweek, I guess. Um, and United do look a little bit all at sea at the moment. So all of the factors are there for him to actually just kind of take the piss a little bit and, and score when we're least expecting him to in true Darwin fashion. So yeah, Darwin to score against Man United. Sod's law, it's going to happen. Yeah, especially if people. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think that would be that would be one I go for more if we if if Holland was fit and the kind of selling him early was more yeah. in the zeitgeist than it is. Uh, for me, it's Watkins Hall versus Brentford. So you know, player versus old club sort of <laughs> malarkey, and um, I can definitely see that happening, especially with Brentford being in their current state. Yeah. A bit of a beige pick again for me, but I want to kind of halve the deficit <laughs> a little bit. How, how are we it's, defining a hall? Uh, Ten plus points. 10 plus. Okay, that's cool. Hall. That's a hall. A return is up to nine, I think. The 10, 10 plus is a hall. Nice. Okay. Yes, nice and scientific. Thinking. I like it. <laughs> Cut and dry. Well, it... hopefully, hopefully that does come off if we do buy him. If we don't buy him, then I hope he blanks, obviously. And yeah, I hope he gets, um, you know, I hope he just misses that game with a cold. And then we can get in a game of eighteen if if that's if 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 we if all oh, this fit, right? Mm. Okay, let's move on to the questions this week. Uh, just a few of them. Uh, first one, we've kind of started to address it a little bit, so we won't talk about it too much. FPL Oakwell, um, who said, "I'm on a wild card now. Plan is no Holland until twenty. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense if you're wild carding now. Um, I haven't listed the planet yet, um, but I'm sure that James is of a similar mindset. He says, "What are your must-haves?" Um, and I think we've kind of started to give you enough really of what we've been speaking about um, with the key men it, for us, I, as kind of, we, I kind of summarized earlier is going to be uh, Son Salah and probably Saka as well as a bit of a plodder and Watkins and building yeah. your squad around those players with a proviso that you make sure you've got the money left to bring in Holland. And that means that you can access the Everton's, the Bournemouth's and the Fulham's of the world to populate the rest of your team. You know, cheap players, like, you know, you've still got the old dear old Charlie Taylor out there. You've got Brantway out there, I know suspended this week, and um, you can help you kind of work it out. And I still think, you know, Raul Jimenez or maybe even Semenyo at Bournemouth, although you are going to be seeing a lot of early subs, those are great sort of kind of eighth attackers. I mean, there's James McAtee as well at Sheffield United, potentially if you're going 3 4 3, he's 4.4. But I think there's definitely, it's definitely kind of a, a bit more of an easy wild card, I think, if you're going now, which sounds like a lot of people who are waiting a bit longer, I assume, because you didn't own Salah, um, are. Um, uh, have got there's loads of choices basically for for you to go with to build the team yeah. around that. So I think there are going to be loads of ever presence this year, basically. Yeah, completely agreed. Um, I think there are a core four or five players that you definitely build it around. And at this point, um, I think you probably have Poro in. I think that just makes sense on a wild card at this point. Um, I would look at potential differentials we've already discussed Fulham, Bournemouth, Everton um, maybe I think we've got a question coming on Richarlison he could be an interesting differential um, I would still try and maybe fit in some sort of Chelsea asset in there I know Palmer's still on four yellows so maybe not the most interesting at the moment but I still personally think the value he prov- provides if you are looking for um, someone mm. a bit cheaper to fill out, pad out the squad, then he could still be there. 
Um, yeah. but probably not as essential as he was the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it does kind of pick itself this week. It's quite a nice week for wildcard in the sense oh. that there's not too many massive decisions you need to make um, other than whether or not Harlan's going to be fit for this weekend, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, what we've already discussed so far on the pod probably gets you most of the way there. Yeah, hopefully. And uh, that you mentioned the Richardson question. Uh, Dave asked, can Richardson be a son cover now he's fit? Um, I don't know. I, I think we're both kind of quite keen on kind of the, the son factor. Um, obviously very good to see Richardson back uh, from his injury. Uh, Swing a couple of goals. I don't know. I've got some sim- I know that kind of opposition fans hate him. I, I know I probably should as an Arsenal fan, but I'm sure my, my fandom is by now clearly supplicant to FPL. Um, I, I think no, he's a very interesting kind of second to uh, kind of a second or third pick. I think if we're going to speak about Poro in a second, um, yeah. interesting third pick if you're going to triple up on Spurs, that's for sure. And it'd be a really interesting differential on a wild card that you mentioned, Sam. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I would kind of want him to be covering Son. I think it'd be really interesting to bring in in place of Son when he goes to the Asia Cup. Yeah. I'm not sure that I kind of have the cojones to go with Richarlison <laughs> before he hits Son. I think he's like the second evolution and Son's the third evolution almost. Yeah, that, yeah, perfectly summarised. I don't think he can cover Son at all, but he can accompany Son and there's no reason why you can't look at having both. Um, yeah, he'll be a really good differential over the next few if he keeps starting up front. Great value for money. We know he can score goals, um, even though if he hasn't necessarily done it at Spurs too often yet. Um, yeah, he would be my third favourite Spurs asset to own at the moment after Son well, and him and him and Brendan. I think Bre- it is one of those two for the third yeah. place. But I think or I'd do- probably favour Doggy Richardson. or Doggy. I don't know. It's a no, I don't know. Thing. I don't know if I double up on Spurs defence. That's the only no. thing. <laughs> and I really want Porro. A Doggy in his own right is good and obviously cheaper, but. I think doubling up because I know I want Poro is probably a little bit too rich for my blood personally. Okay. Okay. It makes sense. Um, on Poro, our mate Robbie asks, apart from Poro, are any defenders decent at the moment? Well, I mean, we've kind of touched on uh, the fact that those em- defenders of those emerging clubs are pro- probably okay. Uh, Trent's had a moment in the sun recently, two double-digit halls, and then against Crystal Palace, uh, two bonus despite conceding and not getting an attack in returns. Again, very expensive, but if Holland is out, then, you know, it's probably okay to to look at going there, potentially. Uh, Trippier um, having a, a kind of falling out, uh, falling from grace a tiny bit. Um, I mean, it, it's quite dicey out there, isn't it, Sam? I mean, yeah. Apart from Poro, say you already own Poro and you still need to make a defensive switch this week. I just don't know where I'd be looking. I mean, the data shows, yes, Arsenal have got the best XGC and then you follow by Man City. Uh, but both of those teams, you're looking at them and thinking, mm, you know, there's going to be a goal <laughs> in, in, in any team yeah. kind of going at the moment. So we've kind of, we've kind of, uh, I think as we reflected a couple of weeks ago, the psyche is now completely around uh, just getting those potential attacking returns. I mean, honestly, when I was looking at it, I was looking at uh, like, Kirkes at Bournemouth, um, Adam Smith, uh, fresh from, uh, and uh, Senesi as well. Uh, Senesi at Bournemouth has got two double-digit halls. He's got 14 points and 15 points in back-to-back weeks, by the way. The new Joe Anderson uh, is 4.3. It's really looking at those defenders who have got some sort of attacking 
possibility about them, especially in the cheap seats. I feel like that's kind of where we are. If you've got Poro, you've got an Arsenal defender, you've got Shimakas or whatever, it's it's not great, is it? There's no, there's no sort of clean sheet gods at the moment. No, and I think even though the teams we've discussed today, the emerging forces have performed well defensively recently, the data suggests in at least two of their cases, Everton aside, that that's probably not going to be necessarily maintainable over a long period, yet they have improved. But have they improved enough for us to be backing them consistently for clean sheets by themselves? Probably not. So we are still looking at mainly the attacking returns as that almost crutch to make sure that we're propping up our teams with points even at the back. Porro, probably the one of choice at the moment. But looking at the form guide in terms of defenders, it is really slim pickings. It's mainly Liverpool and Everton defenders with Senesi snuck in there as well. Um, one a little bit further down the list is Pau Torres I might be interested in. Um, Aston Villa do keep a fair amount of clean sheets and he's got quite a lot of attacking upside and specifically heavily favouring goal threat as well for a defender. So, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't hate having a look at him. Um, but really, I think just get that Arsenal defender in situ, have Poro, maybe have one or two, four to 4.5 millions just sprinkled in. And then maybe someone like a, Ch- a Chelsea asset might not be the most horrific idea. Um, no. And then if you can get to Trent, then great. Um, but the fixtures alone for Chelsea, I, I think the only pro- the only problem with Chelsea assets is you just don't know which one's going to be playing week in, week out. And Colwell, Colwell will probably be the, the option. And even yeah. he's not really convincing me at the moment. Well, with, so. J- with, J- with James injured, shock horror. Yeah. I mean, you might kind of think Colwell and I think he came on for James and then kind yeah. of Kukurea went to right back. I, I don't really know Swaps. what's going on with Chelsea. Do you really want that? And yes, there's there's, there's an option there. Uh, him, Dezazi, I mean, there's all these sorts of players. But I, I, I'd always kind of have a big question mark over signing any of them, frankly, for obvious reasons. Uh, okay. Um, next question. We've kind of started to talk about this anyway. Uh, John says goalkeepers are becoming a nightmare. He also bought Sanchez this week and now he's injured too. Well, we don't know that, but yeah, John, I, I know where you're coming from. Uh, any ideas? <laughs> what the hell are we going to do there? I mean, if he is out, are we just so low down the list? And there were that we both kind of almost me less so than you reluctantly made the transfer this week um i mean do we just hope that sanchez isn't going to be out for very long kind of hope turner plays this week and just let it roll on because i I just feel like with the other stuff that's going on in my team i'm not sure i can be bothered to make a goalkeeper transfer almost because they're all rubbish (laughs) but i do like the fact that neto's name is norberto (laughs) that's that's a positive that is on his side it's tempting i'm the same as you i after Sanchez, I've kind of just got just fed up of thinking about goalkeepers after just one week. Um, so, yeah, I'm not expecting much from any goalkeepers at the moment. I think if you are making a transfer, it's probably either Pickford or Leno as as two of the better options. Obviously, Norberto has his name in his favour. Great fixtures, so. great fixtures, great fixtures. Yeah, so maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean... As it stands right now, we don't know too much about Sanchez. I think it's a a major wait and see because he could play. Um, And it sounded like 
they kind of nursed him through one game, played him in the next one thinking it's fairly minor, and then he felt something. So they took him off, um, obviously, near the end. So I, I think we'll know a lot more by the deadline, hopefully. And even if we don't, hopefully it's not too long-term. Turner has got his place back, I think. Um, maybe. maybe. They yeah, who knows? And And even if not, it's zero points from a position that I'm usually getting one or two points maximum from. So um, this week, a bit like last week where I, I found a way not to take a hit for the keeper, but sacrificing the move for Poro, which I wanted to make this week, I would have to take a hit to get a keeper in. And I just don't think any keeper is a nailed on four point benefit. Um, so I might just leave it for a week and hope it sorts itself out. Yeah. I mean, the, there's Dupravka as well on the list for a lot of people. Um, he's got that injury as well, hasn't he? Yes, because it only came out today that he's nursing a shoulder injury too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you don't have Newcastle defenders like I do, he'd be one that you could be thinking about, especially because especially from wildcards. Um, to go back to Oakwell's question, maybe you'd be thinking, oh, just chuck in you know, Dubravka and Turner and just see where it goes other than that. Um, but yeah, I think as a buy, he's not on the list for me because of how Newcastle have been playing, honestly. I mean, maybe I'll be kind of shown to be an idiot and maybe they've just been a bit they've been off it and then they'll kind of find some energy from somewhere, get some inhalers in, uh, use Liverpool's supplier. Um, but it, it definitely kind of seems like, yes, he was very cheap, um, but he's kind of on the list with like Kelleher for me as a player that I'm glad I didn't go with almost. So yeah, I'm the same as you. I think that I'll be just leaving the goalkeeper this week and just seeing what happens. Um, even if Sanchez is kind of ruled out, if he's ruled out for a few weeks and yeah, that will be added to the long-term list. <laughs> I almost go kind of one or two weeks without a goalkeeper, to be honest, or just not really being too sure whether mm. Turner's going to play or not. Um, rather than taking them in, because there's, there's other, there's big fish to fry, honestly, um, and big upside with the moves that you would make. And um, so that's where I go there. Um, yeah, such a boring position. I can't believe I've spent so much time, so many transfers on it over the last few years. And uh, finally, Sai says, is there any point looking outside of Salah for captaincy this week? Are there any alternatives we can take advantage of? And I think we're going to move to transfers and captains with that question, Sai, if that's right, mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's a lot of kind of WTF we're going to do. Um, but I think, honestly, captain is kind of the least of my concerns. You could go with Son versus Forrest. Um, I think he will be the vice captain. Uh, my team's now on the screen. I would advise uh, on Holland at the moment, but if he is out, that moves to Son. If Holland is fit, I think that he does become the captain. But actually, no. I think I think I think I'd probably leave it on Salah and still vice Holland unless I've got ironclad news on Friday night that Holland is fit and starting, which is a big ask. And yeah. Salah versus United is one of those games, a bit like Lukaku versus West Ham uh, for long-term uh, listeners or long-term watchers. Um, that you kind of you see that matchup, and you, especially with United being where they're at the moment, and you just think, wow, okay, I need to just get in on this guy, captain him. Uh, last year, I think, uh, was it last year, the hat trick against them? I didn't own him that one week. Was that the 7-0 year? Yeah, absolutely destroyed my rank. 
out of nowhere. Yeah. There's no one really owned him. There's a like 19% ownership, but like my arrow went from like a massive green to like a, a, a tiny red because he came out of nowhere. But he loves playing against United. It's one of those, especially with how nice they're playing at the moment. You've got to just kind of be a bit of a vulture on that sort of thing. So I think for me, it's going to be Salah captaincy to answer size question. I think it's probably the same for you, isn't it? Um, we're going to our own teams in a minute. Yeah, I, I think so. I think as it stands, if we don't have anything concrete on Haaland, Salah is logically going to be my captain. Agreed that Son is a good um, kind of secondary pick that you could be looking at um, away at Forest. Forest have been struggling recently. Um, if you're a very, very, very brave person, you could look at Palmer on your pitch, who's on pens for Chelsea at home, Sheffield United. But I can't imagine many people are going to be tempted into that one. Um, and then, yeah, outside of that, it's, it's kind of slim pickings this week. A really, really outside shout at Watkins um, away at Brentford, who are struggling at the moment, like you said. If you and Saka as well versus Brighton, that could be one. Maybe, maybe. I think... Like you said, because he's a bit of a plodder at the moment, I think I'd I'd want to see one or two more explosive yeah. hauls from him, and that Arsenal really step out of their comfort zone and, and go for the kill um, before I was tempted to put the armband on him again at this point. But yeah, I know yeah. that I think he was the third most popular captain this week past. Um, so it is still a move that a lot of people are on having Saka as a captain. So yeah, I would expect a. 5%, 10% of, of the crowd being on Saka again. Um, but for me, yeah, Salah and Son, if Darwin, if I'm um, sorry, not Darwin, if Haaland's out, makes um, the most sense to me this week uh, in particular. I've actually got it in my notes. I should have read it out a second ago, like an idiot. Um, but Salah has the most goals in the Premier League against Man United. Wow. <laughs> yes, 13 goals. Um, so, yes, there you go. There you go. And uh, no, it's all, all competitions. He's got the most goals in United. But yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> so yeah, a bit of a Kane versus Leicester situation. Team-wise, mm-hmm. transfers and captains-wise, what the hell are we going to do? I've got no idea. I kind I, I really wish that I, obviously we couldn't have known, but I wish that I kind of just had an, had an inkling that Turner was going to start and I could have just left my transfers this week or at least left the goalkeeper transfer had one free transfer this week and Boomer was always going to go but I wish that I didn't kind of double down and do the defensive move a, a little bit because so I think if I knew Turner was going to start I'd have just left that one so it would have been so much easier now we've got a bit of a problem because if if, if okay Holland's if Holland does go then I'm going to probably going to leave it again which means that Marcelli and White ride again White's probably not as much of a problem now but Marcelli no. rides again because it's very difficult to justify to myself as a kind of a sober I'm not sober at the moment but a sober FPL manager removing Martinelli with Bryson at home even though I know you only play 60 minutes 70 minutes tops and I news come out now that he's not going to be playing in the Champions League this this midweek, and there's some injury sort of concerns. There was an injury concern actually about him the, before the weekend, but I think he's going to be rested because we've basically won our group anyway. Um, so could I remove an attacking Arsenal player against Bournemouth? No, I against Brighton. No, I can't. So I think it's probably going to be Holland for Watkins, leave the goalkeepers, and then I'm maybe going to be interested in moving a just sort of my bench out potentially but does that does that need a hit 
I don't think it does. So, you know, it might just be, as I said earlier on, a bit of a weakest link sort of situation where I look at Holland being out. Do I want Archer coming on? Do I want to keep Holland or do I want to move Kabore on to a defender or something like that? Like, I really want to do Martinelli and Stavernier, but I don't think I'm going to be able to do it again this week. I think that I need to keep Martinelli uh, for for Bryson and for Liverpool because those are the sort of games that he flourishes in, honestly. Yeah. Trend, didn't he? Uh, so I think he's going to stay, um, which kind of means that I think the Holland to Watkins is probably what I'm going to do and then not take the hit. I've taken so many hits this year anyway. That kind of feels like where I, where it is at the moment. Is that where yeah. I want it to be? I'm not really. Like I'd like like to do things like you know remove Shimakas probably. I'd like to remove Martinelli probably. Would love to remove Darwin probably, but I'm not going to do that against Man United. That's for sure. I'd like to remove Kabore. I'd like to remove Archer. You know, I'd like to do loads of things, but I've got to just try to manage the situation as it is rather than trying to be too clever, kind of trying to set things up, move things forward. Um, obviously, we'll see what happens um, with the news this week. Um, if if um, Holland is fit, then I I would likely kind of do the luxury pick, potentially, of Marcelli to Tavernier, but I may just roll it if that's the case. I'm, I'm very kind of torn between, obviously, the two sides of me, the more punty side and the more sort of cautious side, effectively, Sam. Mm. And I think you, you've got a similar situation, haven't you, really? Yeah, fairly similar. So um, much like you, Harlan being out is going to be the thing that takes all the headlines and basically whether or not he's confirmed out will alter my decisions. But I think I am already down to making, well, two players are my priority this week, Watkins and Porro. So it's whether or not I do both of them or just one of them this week. Oh, and I if Porro. I bring in both... <laughs> If I bring in both, then it's which one I bring in Watkins for. Do I sell Darwin if Haaland is fit? Or if Haaland is confirmed out, then I could sell Haaland for him. So Poro for me would be coming in for Matty Cash most prob probably. Um, and then Cash would, uh, sorry, the Cash position would then be upgraded to the starting lineup for most likely. I don't know actually. Who would you bench out of Lascelles at home to Fulham? Like, as you've mentioned, they look a bit dead on their feet. Saliba at home to Brighton. Brighton have scored in every Premier League game yep. so far this season. Or Simakas at home to Man United. Because I'll tell um, you now, bus team, I was benching Simakas. But I actually think that that is the opposite of what I, I will now do. I, that's the one I'd least want to bench. Yeah, now thinking about it, like right? thinking it out loud, that makes no sense. I'm going to start oh, Simakas. No, so probably go over the cells just because Newcastle looks so shot, honestly. I think they're going to yeah. be in the Champions League mid midweek. I think they're just going to be, you know, that Milan game is everything to them as a club. And that's on Wednesday as yeah. well. Um, oh, that makes sense. They're playing on Saturday. I just think that I would be, I'd mention the cells and I'd be, given Fulham's current position, I'd just be yeah. thinking they're going to concede in that game. So I'd be benching the cells 100%. I think on I saw the fixture on paper and just instinctively thought, well, that's a good home game for Newcastle. But I suppose one reason I would normally be starting the cells is also because I'm guarding against the Trippier ownership a bit. That's not going to be a problem this week. So actually thinking it through out loud on the pod right now, then yeah. the cells oh. being benched actually isn't the worst thing. So Poro would probably come in in that case for the cells. And then um, if I were to also bringing Watkins, then obviously it just depends whether or not Haaland's out. If he is out, 
then Watkins comes in for him. If he's not, then um, it would be probably for Darwin. Um, and ideally, that would be the case. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, would Whether or not I would take a hit for both this week is up in the air. I might just do one of those moves. But um, it's, a free, it's a freebie. Yeah, I kind of just want to get it done. I, I want Poro and I feel like every week I'm just holding on to Matty Cash because I've got other fish to fry. Um, and I, ju- I just think in any given one week, Poro's likely to get that 10 plus pointer. I know he hasn't so far, but he's been so close so many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's a matter of time before he's going to hit one. And Matty Cash seems doomed to one pointers for from now until the end of the season as it stands. So I feel like... I feel like that's a move I kind of instinctively want to make, but I've been very hit resistant so far this season. So I'll try and find a way not to take a hit wherever possible, it seems. So we'll see how I feel come Friday. Yeah, Saliba to Poro, again, has been in mind for me because Saliba was going to go for Trippier. And I was thinking, Mm -hmm. well, you know, um, Poro's um, (laughs) just the general hype. I've owned him again this season. So another kind of player that I'm going back to after having sold. But yeah, with, with your eyes, you can see what a great individual he is. I mean, he's the most quote-unquote inform um, of Spurs' players other than Son this year, uh, producing every game, um, not really bothering the expected own, expected goals data, but he and so neither is Cole Palmer. We're all kind of signing him as well. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I wouldn't mind taking the hit there and just getting that sorted, to be honest. Because yeah. both are going to be material upgrades to your team, especially if Haaland is confirmed out. I think they'll because of the Trippier news as well. A lot of hits will be flying this week, so hopefully you're right in saying they can. Like a hit could be hidden pretty well this week potentially. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, I, I, those are definitely the two players I want in. It's just whether or not I do both of them this week. Oh, I, I would in your situation. I might do the same. Just yeah. have White up against Lever, um, because White's not going to not going to be benched in time soon. Probably, he will be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cool. All right. Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of ramblings this week, uh, but a lot of conversation as well, which hopefully is going to be very useful if you're wildcarding or at least kind of thinking about um, the key players in your team or the emerging teams as well um, who are going to obviously massively entering our consideration right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that wraps up our show for tonight. Um, it's been great chatting with you again, Tom. Good to have you back on the show um, after your very brief absence last week. Um, thank you all so much for listening. As always, we have been Who Got the Assist. Um, you can find us on X at WGTA underscore FPL. You can find myself there at FPL Pricey. And you can find us on Instagram or threads at WGTA.FPL. Or again, I'm just FPL Pricey on there. If you did enjoy the pod, if you could uh, give us a follow on those socials, that would be great. But then also if you could give the pod a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. And also if you're watching the show on YouTube, then if you could leave a like and subscribe, to the channel that would be very very much appreciated um we've also got a competition running on x tomorrow morning so do watch out for that um details will be posted by tom on the main account uh tomorrow morning uh there has been a little hidden reference at some point in the show that we will be asking you to notice and and find for us um in the competition so you might need to listen back um for a little bit in the morning once we reveal the details of that 
Lovely. Thanks, Sam. We hope you enjoyed the pods. We hope you think about the key men and the emerging forces in the FPL. We'll be back next Sunday. We'll be joined by FPL General for our annual preview of the Christmas rush. Uh, thanks so much in advance to Mark for agreeing to come on to our pokey little podcast. We'll speak soon. Enjoy having a week without a fraught Tuesday deadline. And yes, uh, have a good week. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.